Amen. He's on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite your attention this morning to the book of Titus. The book of Titus, the third chapter. I'd like to take a look at just some of the words shared by the Apostle Paul to this, to this young man of God that he mentored and, and partnered with him in ministry. And I just want to, I just want to take a moment and, and try to capture some of what he said to this man and, and help us to understand what, what the Lord would have us to know today. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. Titus chapter 3, we'll begin at the first verse. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves, this is, this is why we are meek, why we must be gentle, why we must not brawl. This is why, because we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We were disobedient, we were deceived, we were serving diverse lusts and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. We were hateful and we were hating one another. But after, hallelujah. After that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm thankful for the after effects. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Oh, hallelujah. By the help of the Lord, I, I would like to preach to you this morning just on this subject, before and after the kindness and love of God. Before and after the kindness and love of God. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask for His blessing upon the preaching of His Word? Lord, I thank you today for your great grace wherewith you have loved us. I thank you, Lord, for the riches of your mercy that have allowed us to stand in this place. Strip us, God, of every unclean thing. Strip us, God, of everything that is not like you. And help us, I pray, in the name of Jesus to put on your whole armor. Help us, I pray, to be baptized with your precious love today. We thank you for it, and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. Let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Jesus 
tells several stories in his, in his gospel teachings, several parables. <clears throat> the Bible calls them parables, and in fact, uh, you could even call them dark sayings, not because they are sinister, but because they are not just always easily understood. Sometimes Jesus would share a parable, a mystery, a dark saying, and people would walk away confused by what he had just shared. The disciples would, would bring him to the side and say, okay, okay, that was really poetic, and the metaphors were pretty amazing, but can you share with us the parable in more of an in-depth way? And Jesus would begin to break it down and explain to them what the various parts and characters of those various parables, what and who they represented. Uh, but, but he would use these parables to really demonstrate and illustrate his love, the depth of his love. Uh, two that stand out to me, and I think if you've heard them before, they stand out to you. I never want to take for granted that anybody is familiar with the stories that we tell from the Bible, uh, because they may not be. But if you are not familiar with it, uh, oh, familiarize yourself with these great stories of the Scriptures. They will bless your life abundantly. The Bible talks about a, a man that went on a journey. And while he was on his journey, he fell among thieves. And the thieves uh, stripped him of his raiment, and they beat him, and they robbed him, and they stole from him. They left him, the Bible says, half dead. And while he lay there half dead, uh, there were those who passed by. Uh, the Bible says that a Levite passed by. A Levite was of the Levitical priesthood. So this was a definite reference to the Levitical priesthood. And the Levite saw the man in his condition, but he did not stop to help the man. And, and so him not stopping to help the man, uh, it may have been because... Uh, perhaps the man was in such a state of disarray that ceremonially uh, he, he, could not, he could not really uh, uh, make himself unclean by helping the man with the, the blood that was there and the wounds that were there. And, and so the Levitical priest kept on his way. For whatever reason, he didn't stop to help. And then the Bible says there was a certain other priest who passed by. And this certain other priest uh, saw the man and he... He also went his way. And we don't know what priesthood he came from. We just know he was a certain other priest and, and he went on his way. Uh, but then the Bible talks about a Samaritan. And uh, we call him a good Samaritan. Uh, because there, was, there would have been a lot of, uh, of, of animosity between him and the man that was injured. Because there were these cultural barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans. And yet the Bible says that when the Samaritans saw the man in the state that he was, that he went down to him and he bound up his wounds and he applied to his wounds oil and wine. He ministered unto him and he, he took him to an inn, put him on his own beast and took him to an inn and placed him in the care of the innkeeper, paid for his lodging, and said, I'll be back to, to check on him. And he saved the man's life. And Jesus told this parable in connection to his 
declaration that the greatest command of all is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And they, they heard him declare these two as the greatest commandments, uh, but, but Jesus, and they agreed with him, but Jesus, the Bible says, willing to justify himself, began to explain how to put these commands into action. And it is to show the love of God to those who are in need. And when he asked them, who is a neighbor unto this man that was wounded? Was it the first guy that walked by? Was it the second guy that walked by? Or was it the third man, a Samaritan, who went out of his way and, and crossed over the threshold of their cultural differences and, and met the man at the point of his need and saved his life. Who was neighbor unto him? And the response was, well, of course, the Samaritan was neighbor. And, and Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Hallelujah. He told the story of a, of a young man who was the son of a, of a, of a man. And, and he decided that he wanted his inheritance to... To come early, not to wait on it, but for it to come early. And so he went to his father and said, can I please have my inheritance now? And the father gave him his inheritance. And the Bible says that he went and lived riotously. And he wasted all his substance. And he was, he was living such a riotous life, joined himself to a citizen of another country, left his father's household, arrogantly defied his father's uh, wishes, and went on his own way and wasted his life and found himself utterly and completely depraved. Without any kind of direction, he was in as bad a case and position of life as you and I could ever imagine. And the Bible said he would have fain filled his belly with the husks. And he was in the position of total, total uh, depravity. And the Bible says he came to himself. I love it when we come to our... You know, Pastor Sizemore, I believe that's a, that's a reference to the incarnation of God indwelling man. Because God truly did come into the form of man. Praise God. And he came to us. And when he came to us, hallelujah, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible said he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and I will go to my father's house. For the servants there have it better than I. And he went to his father's house and he had prepared himself to, to ask for a way to be a servant of his father. Will you at least let me come and be a servant in your household? But his father said, you are not my servant. His father saw him from a long ways off. Jesus is telling this story. He's trying, to, he's trying to help us understand the love of the father. He saw him from a far ways off and he ran to him and he hugged him and he kissed him. And while the son is saying, I'll be happy to be your servant, he said, you are my son, not my servant. But, 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 but you don't know what I did. I, you are my son, not my servant. But you don't know where I've been, what I've, what I've done, where I've gone. You're my son, not my servant. Oh, hallelujah. 
I'm going to tell you in these parables, in these pictures, you see the love of God. You see the kindness of God. And that was the purpose of it so that people could understand what it means to be received of the Father to make your way back home, not sure how you'll be treated, how you'll be accepted, or if you'll be seen out of the side of people's eyes. But Jesus said, you just get up out of wherever you are and come on back to the Father's house. I want you to encounter the kindness and the love of God before the prodigal, as we call him, the prodigal son, before he encountered the kindness and love of God, he sat alone in a pigsty eating what the pigs wouldn't eat. And they'll eat anything. He was eating what they wouldn't eat. He was eating the leftovers, sitting in a pigsty as broken as you and I could possibly imagine. That was before the kindness and the love of the Father. But after the kindness and love of the Father, hallelujah, he was, he was restored to his status as a son in this house. Hallelujah. Before the kindness and the love of the Samaritan, the man was broken and bloodied and bruised and beaten and robbed and, and desecrated. But, but after the kindness and the love of the Samaritan, he was sitting in a hotel room, in a nice big room, in a comfy bed with a soft pillow, with a nice comforter and ordering room service. That's after the kindness and the love. Of the Samaritan. Jesus told these parables so you and I could catch a glimpse, a little glimpse of what the love of the Father is really all about. But these weren't just stories that Jesus told, this was a life that Jesus lived. This wasn't just some kind of a, of a creative imagination. No, Jesus lived this life. Yes, he lived this life. There was a lady who was caught. In a humiliating act of sin. And there was no getting out of it. Because she was caught in the act. Likely entrapped. Ensnared in the act. It perhaps was a conspiracy altogether. Because they dragged her in her humiliation. To the feet of Jesus. And they no doubt wanted to put Jesus on the spot. To figure out how will you treat this woman. Who has clearly violated the law of Moses. They saw him as a weasel. Because they thought he was trying to get out of applying the law of Moses. When in their utter ignorance they did not know he was fulfilling the law of Moses. He was applying the law of Moses to a higher standard than they had ever known before. And so they dragged her to the feet of Jesus. And knowing the evil and wicked corruption of those who handled this woman, they likely had a plan from the very beginning. And they brought her to Jesus and threw her at his feet mercilessly and gathered stones ready to stone her and said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law says she must be stoned. And Jesus, the good Samaritan, Jesus the father of the prodigal son. Jesus 
is standing there with this ultimatum. Are you going to apply the law or are you going to try to weasel your way out of this? And Jesus just knelt down and he began to write in the sand. Now, I don't know. I don't know what he wrote in the sand. Nobody does. I've got my opinions and they're about as good as anybody else's. And, uh, and, and, and so I won't conjecture to you my opinions, but I will say as Jesus began to write in that sand, he stood up from that place and he said, He that hath no sin, let him cast the first stone. Who among you is qualified to cast the first stone? That can be asked in this room today. Who among us is qualified to cast even one stone at anybody at any time? Let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. And those searing words of Almighty God manifest in flesh began to penetrate that outer self-righteous facade of those who stood around her that day. And they were pricked in their heart. And one by one they dropped the stones that they had gathered to stone this woman. And Jesus said to her, where are thine accusers? said Lord I have none he said neither do I condemn thee and the beautiful thing about that is that there was one there who had no sin and could have cast a stone his name is Jesus that's why he had to assure her neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more my God my God before The kindness and love of God. She was humiliated and broken and charged with a sin that would require her death. She was without any advocacy. She was without any hope. There was no way to crawl out of these incriminating circumstances. But that was before the kindness and the love of God. But after the kindness... And love of God. Hallelujah. She was, she was without an accuser. My God, that's what the kindness and love of God will do. The kindness and love of God will so cleanse you. So purify you. So wash you. So cleanse you from the inside out. That Those who could accuse you will drop their accusation. Those who could charge you will say, I've never seen such a thing as this. That's after the kindness and the love of God. I want to know if there's anybody here who knows what it's like to deserve punishment and receive mercy. I want to know if there's anybody in the house of God today who knows what it's like to deserve the judgment of God but receive grace. Grace in the time of need. Oh yeah, before the kindness and love of God, she was was humiliated, she was guilty, she was broken, she was guilty as charged. But after, hallelujah, the kindness and love of God, she was free. No accusers, no charges on her record. And she was empowered to go and sin no more. 
Hallelujah. Jesus lived this life. He, he, the Bible says that he came upon the shores of Gadare and, and he was on a boat. And, and on this boat there was a terrible storm that had, had raised and raged. And as it did, he, 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 was, he was determined to go through the storm. And he goes through to Gadare. When he gets to, when he gets to Gadare... He, he, it's like this is the only reason he came because he leaves after this is over. He leaves the place after this is over. His sole intention of going to Gadaree was to meet a man that nobody knew how to deal with. This man, we call him a demoniac. He was a demoniac. That's, that's kind of a, 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 it's about as bad as it gets. You know, it's kind of a combination of demon and maniac. It just doesn't get much worse than that. This man was a demon maniac, and Jesus had arranged his schedule to go and meet this man. Now, now this man was about to encounter the kindness and the love of God. He was about to meet the, the one that, that you and I can't even fully describe. I, I, you know, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You know what's happening? There are people getting excited right now because you've met that kindness. You've met that love. That kindness reached down into pits you couldn't get out of. That love reached down into despair you couldn't breathe in. But that, that, that man was, that before the kindness and love of God, the man would strip his raiment. He would terrorize the community where he lived. Nobody knew what to do with him. They'd chain him up, chain him down, tie him to tombstones, try to keep him out of the public eye, out of the public square. He was living among the tombs. He was as good as dead as far as anybody cared. He was a demon maniac. My God, but that was before the kindness and the love of God. But when Jesus walked up onto the scene of the shores of Gadaree, my God, have mercy. That man who would break every chain that society tried to chain him with. And let me tell you, church, hear me now. Society doesn't have the answer to provide structure for those souls that are wildly out of control. Only the church of the living God has what this world needs. tell you we got we've got to stop deferring to the world system every time we don't know how to handle a situation we've got to go in prayer and fasting we are the city on a hill that cannot be hid we are the light of the world we are the salt of the earth when society can't control an issue i'll tell you exactly what they'll do they'll chain it and try to throw it away and that's what this man was he was chained and he was thrown away and, and Jesus walks up onto the shore. And this man, the Bible said, he saw Jesus coming. And I'm going to tell you, there, the Bible says there were legions of devils in him. Legions of devils. And, but, but the legions of devils were not strong enough to prevent his soul from crying out. How many know what it's like for your soul to cry out? When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, hallelujah, my soul cries out. My soul cries out. 
Something down deep on the inside of me that needs freedom, that needs peace, that needs hope, that needs joy, that needs liberty in God. Something down inside of me cries out to him. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he ran to him. Broke every chain society had put on him. Shattered every shackle that society had put on him. And he ran with all of his heart, ran with all of his might, and he got to the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus cast every last devil out of him. Hallelujah. There wasn't a devil inside of him that could stay there once Jesus spoke. And that same word that said, let there be light, and there was light. That same word that said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed his voice. When that same word said, come out of him, go out of him. I'm going to tell you, every devil had to get up, get up, get up. And get up out of that man. They were cast into the swine. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Before the kindness and the love of God, this man was a demon maniac. Before the kindness and love of God, this man was out of his mind with rage and with utter terrorizing of his community. But after that, the kindness and love of God appeared. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He wanted to follow Jesus. He said, I want to go with you everywhere you go. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? I want you to stay right here. And I want you to go meet everybody you terrorized. And I want you to tell them about the kindness and the love of God. I want you to go and I want you to go up and down the streets you used to run. And I want you to tell folks about the kindness and the love of God. I want you to go to those folks you used to smoke with, you used to drink with, you used to vandalize with. And I want you to tell somebody, testify about the kindness and the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My God, my God. Hallelujah. The Bible has a word, there's a Hebrew word, and it's called chesed. Chesed. Uh, you, you heard what chesed. It's called chesed. Amen. And it's a Hebrew word. And it is a unique word because there is no word in the English language that can truly capture its essence or its meaning. So it pops up through the scriptures as a different translated word over and over again. But it is used 243 times in the Old Testament. The way it is most commonly referred to in English translation is loving kindness. Loving kindness. Hallelujah. It was like, that doesn't even do it justice. Because, because there is no English word that captures all the angular nuances 
of this word that relates to the love of God. It is, it is a love so deep. It is a love so wide. It is a love so high. Hallelujah. It is a love so long that there are no English words. We haven't come up with one yet. You probably couldn't even speak the word that would encapsulate the meaning of this word unless you spoke in tongues. Because it's a, it's a word our natural language doesn't even fully comprehend. But, but it's there in the scriptures. And for instance, in Psalm 63, uh, verse one, it says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, and here it is, it's about to come chesed, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Hallelujah. Psalm 69 and verse 14. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up. And not, let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord. Here it is. For thy said, thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Hallelujah. It's a word you and I can't even fully understand. Even in that word, they tried to take two very powerful words. Kindness and loving. Two words that they may be putting together could capture it. But even that didn't do it justice. Isaiah 63 and verse 7. I will mention the chesed of the Lord. The loving kindness of the Lord. And the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us. And the great goodness. I love that. I love that. Not just the goodness, but the great goodness the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies according to the multitude of his said or the multitude of his loving kindness hallelujah psalm 89 and verse number 2 the bible gives us a very unique insight into this word when he tells us Really, ladies and gentlemen, in verse number one, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Will I, with my mouth, will I make known my faithfulness, thy faithfulness to all generations? For I have said, Mercy. Here, Hased is translated as mercy. Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. What the psalmist is saying there is that the, that the foundation of everything is built upon. The chesed of God. Everything is built on the chesed of God. The multitudes of his loving kindness. The multitudes of his tender mercies. We can't explain it. That's why the writer said it is joy unspeakable. 
and it is full of glory. This is why the writer said it is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because there are no words to describe this great love and this great mercy. You've heard it before and didn't know it. When he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over surely goodness and are you ready here it comes surely goodness are you ready it's about to happen surely goodness and chesed shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever hallelujah Psalm 100 tells us make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness that's why we as Pentecostals do what we do we're making a joyful noise unto the Lord and we serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us hallelujah and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his are you ready here it comes are you ready here it comes and his chesed his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations His chesed is everlasting. That multi-angular love that has no understanding of its depth, no understanding of its height, no understanding of its width, no understanding of its length. When you encounter that, it changes your life forever. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. He's talking about the chesed. In Greek it's agape. That you may be rooted, rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend. You'll never be able to fully articulate it. But somehow your spirit might be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth, hallelujah, and the length, and the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Messiah, which passeth Knowledge. Huh. You'll never be able to figure it all out. And this is exactly why we can never judge who God will have mercy on and whom he won't have mercy on. This is why the Lord said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. 
Folks, you wouldn't walk down the same sidewalk with Jesus wants to forgive them and heal them and clothe them and put them in their right mind. Folks, you would never dream of shaking hands with. Folks, you would, you would never dream of seeing in heaven one day the Lord has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We, we, we can't even comprehend what is the length and the breadth and the depth and the height. We can't even understand how high his love is. That height of the love of God deals with the superiority of the love of God. It is higher than every principality. It is higher than every power. It is superior to every sickness. It is superior to every sin. It is superior to any transgression you have ever committed. You have never, my God, hear me today you have never committed a sin that the love of God doesn't have the power to forgive hallelujah and you haven't committed the sin so long that the love of God cannot forgive it I rebuke that devil whispering in your ear condemning you accusing you The love of God, it is so high. It is higher, higher, higher. You can't see the top of it. You can't travel to the top of it. You can't know the height of the love of God. And you can't know the depth of the love of God. It descends deeper than you and I could ever imagine. It, it, it descends deeper and deeper into the most, most terrible addictions, into the most terrible mindsets, in the most terrible of insanities. The love of God, hallelujah, you and I cannot understand the depth of the love of God. How unsearchable are his riches. It's like the ocean. You can, you can search it all you want. But you will never have totally examined every length and breadth of this. It goes deep down into your sorrow. Deep down into your wounds. Deep down into your past mistakes and failures. Deep down into your abuses. Deep down into where you were abused. Deep down, deep down. You can't go as deep. You can't go so deep into anything that you won't somewhere be able to find the love of God. If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. Behold, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. I'm talking about the depth and the height of the love of God and the length. The length of the love of God. You can't measure the length of it. Hallelujah. Sister Cox, we can't measure the length of the love of God. It goes so far. There is no limit. I, listen, I, I, listen, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You, think, you better be careful, uh, Brother Joel, because you start talking about the, the love of God like that, and people start thinking they can just get by with anything. They can do whatever they want. Oh, friend, hear me now. You must not have met the kindness and the love of God. Because, because that was before the kindness 
and love of God. I'm not talking about before the kindness and love of God. I'm talking about when you meet the real thing. When you come to Calvary's cross. When you stand under the shadow of an innocent one who is taking your sin and your shame and your sickness and your sorrow so you don't have it and you don't have to go to hell now and you don't have to die now and he's taking it all so you can live free. I'm going to tell you, you won't ever want to sin again for the rest of your life when you encounter the kindness and love of God. The lengths to which he will go. The breadth. I, I, I don't even, I don't even, Brother Enos, I don't even want to try to measure the breadth of the love of God. Because I, because it's just so wide. It is from everlasting to everlasting. It is as far as the east is from the west. Whew. I better stop because I'm going to get dizzy. But it's as far as the as west is, west is from the east. So is the love that God has for his people. I'm talking about the love of God. You can't know the depth of it. You can't know the height of it. You can't know the length of it. You can't know the breadth of it. You can't comprehend it. It is a chesed. Run to it. Hallelujah. He said, he said, before we met it, before we encountered the love of God, we were foolish. <laughs> That's before the love of God. Before the See, it's not just the love of God. It's the kindness and the love of God. It's his loving kindness. I don't have a word. I could say loving kindness, and that didn't do it justice. I could say loving kindness and mercy, and that didn't do it justice. I could say loving kindness, mercy, and grace, and that didn't do it justice. I could say loving kindness, mercy, grace, and charity, and that didn't do it justice. I could say loving kindness, mercy, grace, charity, whatever you want to put on it. You'll never be able to describe the length, the height, the breadth. And the depth of the love of God. And so upon the walls of a prison cell, they do not know the author. They just simply know that before they painted the walls of a prison cell, they found a poem written by a man chained inside those walls who simply said, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned him, pardoned his sin. When hoary time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks, hills, and mountains Call God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong. Redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure 
the saints and angels saw. I don't ever want to sin again because he loves me with an unfathomable love. What a word, unfathomable. That's referring to the depths. You cannot measure the fathoms to which the love of God can go. It just is much more than anything you and I could understand. And now here's where the responsibility falls into yours and my hands. When the Lord says, I bring to you a new commandment. You have heard thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And you have heard thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But I bring to you a new commandment. I tell you to love one another. Are you ready? Are you ready how to love one another? Here it is. As I have loved you. He's saying, I'm going to empower you to love one another without height, without measurement of height, without measurement of depth, without measurement of length, without measurement of width. I'm going to put inside of you a love that loves your enemies. I'm going to put inside of you a love that blesses them which persecute you. I'm going to put inside of you a love, hallelujah, so rich, so measureless, so strong. It's going to be a kind kind of love that makes you pray for them which despitefully use you. If the love of God would ever so thoroughly baptize the church, the whole world, the whole world would see Jesus for who he really is. Oh, I know we're supposed to love our brother. We're supposed to love our sister. Listen, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Listen, you're supposed to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We need to be walking, talking, living, breathing. Good Samaritans, we need to be walking, talking, living, breathing. Fathers to the prodigal, we need to be looking out our window, watching for when they come. Don't you wait for them to come up on the property and then side-eye them and say, mm. I knew it would just be a matter of time. No, sir. No, ma'am. That's not the chesed. That's not the agape love of God. We've got a love without limits. We have to love without limit. We have to forgive every single day. Seven times 70. They, they, you know, they were counting. You tell us to forgive seven times. Okay, we'll forgive seven times. But we're getting close to number seven, and I can't wait to let them have it. No, 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 he said seven times 70. In other words, infinity. If they offend you all day long, you keep forgiving, 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 forgiving. And I know, again, I know what you're saying. You're thinking, I can't do that. They'll think they can get by with anything. No, you, you're underestimating the power of the kindness and the love of God. This love will break the shackles off of them. This kindness will burn the offense out of them. This kindness will burn the hate out of them. You're talking about before the kindness and love of God. When we were foolish, 
and we were disobedient and we were deceived and we were serving diverse lusts and pleasures when we were living in malice and envy when we were hateful and when we were hating one another before the kindness let me just say this if any of those things are descriptive of you your attitude your mindset you're living before the kindness and love of God Hateful, hating one another, full of malice, full of envy, serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Foolish, foolish. You say, I'm not a fool. I know I didn't say a fool. I said fool-ish. Like a fool, disobedient, deceived. You're living before the kindness and love of God. But, oh, friend, after that, the kindness and love of God did appear. These words were written by a man who was on his way to Damascus, whose hands held letters, letters that dripped with blood of martyrs. Letters that anticipated the slaughter of more Christians. This man Saul of Tarsus could not wait to put his filthy hands on more Christians to strangle the life out of them. And while he rode down that road to Damascus, a light began to shine above the brightness of the sun. And it knocked him off of his high horse. And as he looked into the heavens... He heard a voice call his name, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Why are you fighting against me? And Saul said, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? He knew who it was. It was the Lord. But he understood that his understanding of the Lord evidently was misguided. Because, because I thought I was doing your business. And now I'm realizing that you are the one I was persecuting. And while he stands there guilty and broken and humiliated and deserving to die, the kindness and the love of God appeared. why he would tell the church at Rome I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate me because if anything could have it already would have I am persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ Not, tribulation can't do it persecution can't do it famine can't do it nakedness can't do it peril can't do it the sword can't do it death, life, angels, principalities powers, nothing present nothing to come height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I'll tell you when he became persuaded. He became persuaded when the kindness and love of God appeared. Would you lift your hands with me right now? Our musicians can come. Our singers can come. Hallelujah. Can I just dream out loud for a moment? Can I just dream out loud? For just a moment. Tree of Life is familiar with this. At least, at least they were. I haven't talked about it for a long time. We've been busy. <laughs> oh, we've been busy. But the church here in Cincinnati 
Actually, the roots of both Tree of Life and Grace Point would be found on the corner of Walnut and McMicken. If you go down to Walnut and McMicken today, there's a little corner building. It's in, the, it's in a long stretch of row houses. Each of those row houses, there are, there are three stories to each row house. And, and, and until you get to that corner building, and that corner building is not three stories, it's one story. One story. And there's a reason that it is just one story. It is, it is, it is because our church was located in that building. But when our church was located there, there were three stories. Frank Kurtz started the church there in 1925. And Brother Frank Kurtz was, was conducting services there and became terribly ill, deathly sick, nearly died. But while he lay sick in bed on the third story where he lived, and the second story was a Sunday school class, and the bottom story was where the saints would gather for worship. The saints all gathered around him in his bed, and they prayed for him on that third story. And the Lord healed him. He was about to die. And when the Lord healed him, the building shook. The building shook like it did in the book of Acts. It just, the whole building shook. And the top two stories shifted so badly that they had to condemn the top two stories and remove them from that first story, leaving only one story. So when you go down to the corner of Walnut and McMicken today, you'll find three-story house, three-story building, three-story building, three-story building, three-story building, one-story building. There is a story behind that one story. There is a story of God shaking that place where they were assembled. There is a story about the healing, miracle, working power of God surging so strong into that, into that building that the, that the building itself shook. And I, I prayed about it and said, Lord, I would love to go back down to that spot. I said, Lord, why did you let that building shake? Because, because you know, it, it decimated those top two stories. And now I, I just feel like the Lord just nudged me to believe that he shook that building to mark the spot. Because there was a time when there was an apostolic Holy Ghost church thriving on that street corner. Today, there's a lot of challenges down in that, on that street corner. There are a lot of challenges. And there are many social programs at work trying to solve the challenges that are facing that particular spot. But I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody can do it like the church. Nobody can do it like those who have encountered the kindness and the love of God. Nobody can do it like those who, to whom the kindness and love of God has appeared. And I know today there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of drug dealing and there's a lot of prostitution and there's a lot of, there's a lot of horrible crime that happens on that street corner. But, but that's before the kindness and the love of God appears. I wonder what would happen if we walked into the corners of our city as good Samaritans. Hallelujah. Armed with oil and wine. Hallelujah. Armed with the sword of the Spirit. Armed with the power of prayer. Armed. Hallelujah. 
I wonder what happened if those who are filled with the kindness of God, filled with the love of God, if we would ever take up ourselves and walk to where the Lord would have us go. I don't know. It's just a dream. But I wonder if somebody's willing to dream with me and say, Lord, let me be the kindness and love of God that appears to all men. Let me be the kindness and love of God. Let me be the kindness and love of God. Let me be the kindness and love of God. Come on, somebody stand with me right now in the name of Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. Ah, you know what? I want somebody who knows what I'm talking about to come to the front of this house right now. I want somebody that knows what the kindness and love of God feels like. And you want God to somehow demonstrate that kindness and love of God. Through you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it in the name of Jesus. I want somebody that needs the kindness and love of God to come right now. You need the kindness and the love of God. I need somebody that's going through something so deep, so high, so wide, so long, so long. How long has it been? How long have you struggled? How long have you suffered? Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want somebody to bring the, your need to God right now and say, Lord, it's been a long time. I've been dealing with it for a long time. I've been dealing with it for a long time. I want you to know that the love of God in all of its dimensions, in all of its angles, in all of its power, in all of its depth and height and width and length, the love of God.
Thank you. 